Welcome to the Optimum Podcast. I'm Coach P. And I am Coach K. This was a good one. It was. We got um, fat. We, we got fat. <laughs> we got fat. We're not fat, actually. I think we're both doing well with our health. We're, doing, um, we're both doing well. So for, for our listeners who are, who are tuning in, today we talked all about fats. All about fats. All what about is it? Fat. How do we metabolize it? What, what, is, what are the different classifications? Why do we care about this? Why do we care about that? What the actual hell is good cholesterol and bad cholesterol? Um, and then, you know, where do we find the things that we need to, you know, consume? And how do we stay away from the things we want to avoid? So just as a disclaimer for our listeners, we do get into a lot of science in this one more than normal because it's necessary to teach it to you on, <laughs> blame Coach K, it's necessary to teach you the background information in order to understand how fats work the way that they do. So, with, so just work your way through the science. It'll all make sense and put pieces together so that you'll take more knowledge away from this episode on how to incorporate fats in your diet the right way. Yes, sir. So... Uh buckle up or you know get your get avocado ready. and smear some olive oil on your face <laughs> let's do it this <laughs> it's good on my beard all right enjoy so i love talking about fats kyle fats is a lot of fun is uh, it? especially when it comes to weight loss because there's, there's a lot of hidden mysteries and myths that a lot of people don't understand about fat uh, and i'm not knocking it at all i know i'm usually one to say screw keto but when it comes mm-hmm. to actually getting fat in the diet, there's a lot of cool things to say. So what you're saying is that you should eat fat. You should eat fat. Oh, no kidding. That's crazy. But I thought if you ate fat, you got fat. Well, it's, it's balanced with everything. You need oh. all three. That's why there are three macronutrients. You need to consume oh. all three macronutrients. Actually, technically, there's three if you can consider water. But, you know, whatever. I mean, four. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I meant. What did I say? I said three, didn't I? Or, or it'd be five with alcohol because alcohol is technically its own macronutrient. Do we consider it a nutrient though? Do we consider it a nutrient? It's a constituent that provides calories. I think we could argue that it's not a nutrient. Probably, but that's neither here nor there. Because it's not really, really beneficial about it other than you know depressing you and making you feel happy for a little bit. <laughs> But um, anyway, so back to fats, right? One of our three calorie providing macronutrients. Um, and you know what? We're going to leave alcohol out of that because whatever. We'll have a podcast on alcohol later. I think we got that coming up on the list here. But anyway, so what is fat? That is a, an essential macronutrient that we need for essential. various functions of the human body. Okay. So, so we absolutely need this right we we have to consume it we can't cut it out if we cut it out we might have some some ailments developing if you will what are the major Um, functions of fats coach oh good lord okay so i mean well my my mind goes straight to cholesterol right in the consumption of or in having adequate cholesterol which is we we associate with lipids fats fats we're really talking about lipids right and cholesterol is part of that lipid category now, so, we need, so so we need fats to build uh, cholesterol in the body that's what you're yes. saying and, and we need fats um so, well yeah <laughs> and what, what the hell is cholesterol good for and we're gonna we're gonna dive into that a little bit later when we start talking about hdl ldl and what is actual cholesterol and how how do they they differ but um you know fats are going to have a hormone role they're going to have a stored energy role um 
we need to consume fats if we want our fat soluble vitamins. Now we haven't really had a podcast about vitamins necessarily, uh, but we will. Um, so, and what I mean by that is that there are certain vitamins that dissolve in fat and there's certain vitamins that dissolve in water. And that has to do with, you know, what's that again, coach? The polarity of, of the actual molecule itself. Yeah. I wouldn't have known that. <laughs> now, now, you know, right. Uh, just so just a disclaimer for our audience. Uh, Kyle is the biggest bio bio nerd ever. Oh, whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm reeling it in. All right. <laughs> Anyway, so basically certain nutrients are going to dissolve in, in, in different types of nutrients here. Um, that's what we're getting at. So eat fats for, you know, actually consuming cholesterol because we need cholesterol. Eat fats for, for energy storage. Eat fats for controlling proper, inflammation. Proper um, uh, hormonal balance as well and proper hormone production. Hormonal balance, brain development, cognitive development, uh, neurological development. We'll just come with that. Um, so to summarize, you guys need fat. So we're... Fat. we're when, when we talk about the difference in diets, when we, when we get all high and mighty about high-carbohydrate diets for keto diets, we're never demonizing one macronutrient. Let's make that clear. You need all three macronutrients for a healthy, balanced nutrition. Absolutely. So let's dive into how fats are metabolism. Uh, how, how metabolism? <laughs> um, how metabolism are fats. I'm, I'm, I'm getting the effects of the constantly working from home. Uh, how they're metabolized through sure. beta oxidation. So Coach K being an expert in our bioenergetics area when we teach our classes at Brown University is going to do to that for you right now. Go ahead, coach. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you for passing the torch. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, but sorry, my dog is sitting here. He's like, Hey, are you talking to me? Is are you talking 50? to me? Is that 50? Yeah, he is. And that 50 is a, for all of you who don't know, 50 is a beautiful, would you say caramel colored pit bull? Yeah, you could say he's considered fawn, but yeah. Yeah, fifty is a beautiful dog. Does he have his ascot on right now? Yes, and he's got oh, his. Wait, uh, oh yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. So fifty's got this cute little red ascot that makes him look like the what the main character from Scooby Doo. It, it, he's he's the coolest dog ever. Coolest dog. Anyway, anyway he wants dog, attention. Yes. Back to what I was talking about, right? So we've got this thing called beta oxidation. Now, if you remember in previous episodes, we mentioned stuff about glycolysis, which is where the start of carbohydrate um, metabolism is. And then it goes into, we get some different molecules, uh, NADH, and that gets fed into something called electron transport chain. Uh, we also eventually get something called pyruvate, gets converted into acetyl-CoA, yada, 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 it goes into something called a Krebs cycle, um, which makes a you know an atp and then we get some more things nadh fadh2 basically there's a lot of stuff going on right and all these roads and, and these pathways are essentially going to lead to the electron transport chain now why do we really care about this because that's how we make atp aerobically right if we aerobically is going to produce a lot more atp per molecule per macronutrient than anaerobically <clears throat> So we care about this because we need ATP to live, right? If we're going to do anything that requires energy, which is living, uh, you need ATP. Essentially what's going on. So we can take fat and we can metabolize it, right? If you, if you are on a diet and you're a caloric restricted diet, you're trying to lose weight, you're trying to lose 20 pounds of fat or whatever you're doing in this quarantine, um, you're going to essentially be hoping anyway that you're utilizing and actually combusting fatty acids or your fat stores for energy. So where does that start? It starts in a little process we call beta oxidation. Beta oxidation. Uh, which is a, a four part um, 
four steps or four, four chemical reactions. And essentially we're not getting a whole heck of a lot out of it, but the main things that we're really getting is NADH, which is going to go again to the electron transport chain, right? All these roads are leading there. Um, then we're going to get something called the acetyl-CoA. And we talked a little bit about this in, I think our keto diet or keto yeah. diet, keto episode. Um, where we get an abundance of acetyl-CoA and essentially the body is going to convert that into ketone bodies. Now, we're not going to dive any further into that. So anyway, we get this acetyl-CoA, which goes to the Krebs cycle. Then it goes through all the processes in the Krebs cycle. Then we get all the things going in the electron transport chain. Now, there's one other thing we get the, when we talk about a triglyceride, which is three fatty acids attached to what we call a glycerol backbone. Right? Glycerol, for the sake of articulating it quickly is similar to a carbohydrate and where that's going to go is it's actually going to end up in glycolysis go through the processes there that's going to kick out more molecules it's going to go electron transport chain blah 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 so essentially we're eventually getting to electron transport chain now i'm telling you all of this because all of this there's a lot of stuff going on right a lot of moving parts um now we say it takes more time it's not like it's you know, days or anything crazy like that. It, it's, it's a very quick, uh, they're quick reactions, but in the context uh, or when compared to like something like anaerobic glycolysis, it's slow. We use the term slow for it because it's a, it takes more time than that. Now it takes more time. It also requires something we call oxygen. So long story short, <laughs> fatty acids require oxygen to actually obtain the energy or to create ATP. So it's an aerobic with oxygen metabolic process. So what that means in the context of exercise or just living in general is that you must be in an aerobic intensity or at an aerobic intensity to be primarily relying on fats. Meaning right now we're aerobic, we're sitting down Right, we're we're talking, uh, you know, via Zoom on our microphones, yada yada yada. Um, but if you're doing the Isabel, which I think is the thirty snatches for time in CrossFit, which is like, that's it's fun, it's brutal, right? Um, Sounds like hell. It is hell. <laughs> 30, 30 snatches for time at one hundred thirty-five pounds. So um, have fun with that. Point is, it's very intense. Now, if you are doing the Isabel or something of the sort or really high intensity for, you know, two to five minutes, you're not relying on fats for ATP. Again, ATP being our energy currency. So, with that being said, if we're going to be actually utilizing fat, we need to be in an aerobic exercise state. So just, just for our listeners who are wondering right now, why the hell is Coach K telling me the science behind this? Can we kind of wrap, not wrap, wrap this up is the wrong word, summarize this in a way that's going to be useful. Why is it important to understand how fat is oxidized? How many molecules of ATP do we get from fat molecules compared to when we hmm. break down carbohydrate? Because there is a major difference. Oh, absolutely. So, and the, the numbers here vary depending on the type of fatty acid you have and how many chains are act, or how many carbon chains. So, so fatty acids, we didn't really talk about this. It's basically carbohydrates, hydrogens, and oxygens, right? Mostly carbons and I didn't say, I say carbohydrates. I meant carbons, <laughs> carbons, <laughs> carbons, hydrogens, and oxygens, um, mostly carbons and hydrogens, right? They're very high energy molecules or high energy bonds. We get a lot more energy out of a fatty acid. So carbohydrate typically, right? Depending on what statistic you're looking at, 
about 32 to 36 ATP per glucose molecule or carbohydrate. Now, fatty acids can be upwards of I think 450 ATP. That's a lot more. Now, I don't know if you're good at math, but 450 is a little bit more than 36. And this is what makes fat the, the best storage macronutrient we have because it can provide us with a lot of energy over time. Absolutely. We can actually, we can go without eating food. How many weeks was it? it, was, it was a, it's a long time. It might depend on how fat you are. Yeah, you, you, can, you, you can rely on that for food stuff yeah. energy for a long time. You can't go without water for more than seven days, but you can go without food for an incredibly long period of time. Absolutely. Uh, so fat is one of our, our greatest storage components. I mean, check, check out, uh, you know, Tony Stark in, in Endgame. <laughs> and he wasn't very fat. Uh, no, but, but essentially, it, it's a, you have anywhere from what, 50, the average, 50,000, 100,000 kilocalories stored in just fat in your body. And that's the average individual. I'm not talking about the obese individuals or the, the morbidly obese. They would have significantly more. Um, but realistically, you have a good amount of energy stores, which which if you can, this is, this is the appeal to ketogenic diet and exercise performance, bringing this back in for a second, is that um, the, the amount of energy storage you have is more than enough. Hold on here. We're outside, so dogs are going to bark. <laughs> Whatever. Um, I'll try to edit that out. Anyway, so if you can rely on fat, as your primary energy source for your exercise, you have enough to finish a marathon, no problem. You know, you're not gonna use 50,000 calories in a marathon, absolutely not. You might use what, 3,000, something like that, I'm guessing right now, no, probably, probably closer to five. Uh, regardless, you have plenty of energy stores. So that's kind of the appeal to the whole, let's go high fat, rely on only fat, do you exercise, so on and so forth. If you want to learn more about that, we talked about it more in depth on, in our keto episode. Yes, we're, but where we also talked about how individuals who consume more carbohydrates perform better during their marathons than those who are on ketogenic diets. But once again, let's not, let's not take too much of, a, of an Well, I, I don't know, because you can find certain people who do perform better on a keto. What's up? <laughs> We're not, we're not going to start this argument, Coach. We are. We are. <laughs> I'm going to um, call gay, sir. <laughs> oh. Dr. Grains. Um, <laughs> let, let me bring it back for a um, second, coach. I got one. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, one thing that I needed to say about this, this is all the science behind fats. Now we're going to apply it to what it actually means for you all who are interested in fitness and nutrition. And the first thing we need to start with is how many calories are yielded from one gram of fat. So if I'm talking about dietary fat, one gram of fat is going to yield nine calories. This is Boy, the issue. This is the issue because it's, so, it's more than double the amount that you would get from carbohydrate or protein. So mm -hmm. when it comes to consumption of calories and when it comes to controlling the amount of calories that you're ingesting, it's really easy to overeat on fat. And we're going to start by going over what the problems are that people have with identifications of certain types of foods. For example... Constantly, I hear people say, if they look at a certain food, let's say they're looking at pizza, they're looking at muffins, they're looking at cakes, they're looking at hash browns, and they'll say, oh, I can't have that. That makes me fat. Those are carbs. <laughs> no. When you look at the macronutrient- <laughs> You want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? <laughs> <laughs> That's dumb and dumber, right? <laughs> yes. Anyway, 
when you actually look at the macronutrient composition of these foods, it's primarily fat that's dominating the total amount of calories. And when we actually look in research, they actually have the ability now to see what part of your stored fat on your body comes from dietary fat and where and which of it comes from carbohydrates. We know for a fact that the majority of your body fat on your body comes from dietary fat that you ingest. It's much more easier for the body to store fat as fat. It doesn't technically like converting carbohydrate into fat. And when they actually dissect it down, they take fatty tissue, they'll actually find no more than about 3% of your body fat actually came from your body converting carbohydrates into fat, which I find fascinating. Absolutely. Now, and the reason, yeah, go ahead. Coach. Well, I was going to say, like, in, in just to just to clarify, that doesn't mean carbs are you know free for all. Because if you do overconsume, just hypothetical here, you cut out all the fat, and all you did was eat carbohydrates. Let's go to Skittles. That's my go-to here. And all you would consume was you know fifteen bags of Skittles a day. You're going to have to ramp up lipogenesis because your body's not going to get rid of those calories. So you can force your body to convert those, but it's a lot harder. It's, it's, it's not, I hate that term harder. It is less likely than consuming fat. That's better. Um, so just, and uh, uh, did we talk about that at one part that you mentioned in the ketogenic talk? I know um, uh, when it comes to what dietary strategy you're using for weight loss, maybe we should wait to include this on the end. Uh, we didn't talk about that one step uh, when it comes to beta oxidation, actually, utilizing fats where glucose is necessary. That rate limiting step. Say that one more time, sorry. So fats, fuel, fats burn on the fuel of carbohydrates. Sure. You heard that, yeah. So we- <laughs> Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we didn't mention that in the, in the metabolism. So we should probably either talk about that now. Oh, we or, didn't. Oh, we talked about in keto. That's, that's what did. it was. Okay. So, so essentially um, what we're looking at is that, you know, the, these different, Coming back to beta oxidation, let me just repaint this picture here. We get this molecule called acetyl-CoA, right? The acetyl-CoA is going to go basically into what we call the Krebs cycle. And that's kind of where we really think, oh, that's the you know, area where carbohydrates go through, because it is. Now that Krebs cycle has a bunch of different little enzymes, right? And they're going to be utilized to break these things down. So essentially, uh, what's going on is that if we don't use Krebs cycle as much. We have what we call a down regulation of those enzymes, which basically means we don't produce as much. We don't, they're not as active. Uh, we're not going to be utilizing them. <coughs> basically they're, they're a little rusty, if you will. Um, <clears throat> so these enzymes are a little rusty and then that kind of decreases our ability to metabolize fat. So essentially what we're saying is that if we consume more carbohydrates, it's going to upregulate those enzymes. It's going to keep that system, that Krebs cycle primed. How about that? Yeah. A little better. Keeps that Krebs cycle primed to keep converting fats or keep metabolizing things into ATP. Yeah. But once again, it's still at the end of the day, calories in versus calories out. We're talking as far as overall optimization. So just, just a little cool little fact for you all uh, about fats uh, burning in the fuel of carbohydrates. But uh, go ahead, coach. Oh, I had another thing with, with that because I, what I really was – I skipped over this, um, I kind of cut right in the middle, is that whenever we consume carbohydrates, we're going to see an in, it's going to influence our thyroid hormones. So if we cut out all carbohydrates, what we see, and even, even keep, uh, keep it isocaloric or, or keeping calories at maintenance, cutting out 
or going to a low carbohydrate diet, thyroid hormone falls. Thyroid controls metabolism. Let's just keep it simple. Thyroid controls metabolism. Cut out carbohydrates, metabolism falls, our ability to metabolize things decreases. So that thyroid hormone, extremely important. It's stimulated by carbohydrate consumption. But that's usually an extreme case is that you'd have to worry about a condition like that. Sure. Um, but just to, just to move it forward. So once again, we're talking about the problems with identification. People miss communicating what a carb or what a fat actually is. Let's actually get into what sources are specifically of fat. So we know that they come from either animal or plant products. Mm-hmm. So when, when we talk about the different types of fat, uh, Coach and I are going to go over uh, the saturated versus unsaturated fats and what that has to do with cholesterol. So coach, why don't you take us through uh, the major differences between saturated and unsaturated fats? Okay. So saturated and unsaturated, we're really kind of, if you think about just saturation, the definition in general, um, what we're talking about is saturation of hydrogens. I talk, uh, we mentioned earlier that carbon, hydrogens, and oxygens, right? So if you could imagine this, right? Cause I know this is all audio right here, but you have a bunch of carbons lined up together and they're bonded to each other. Now, on either side of that carbon, of those carbons, and chemistry majors, this is pretty simple for you, you're going to have a hydrogen bonded to it. So if all of those carbons are, are fully loaded with either a bond to a carbon or a bond to a hydrogen, that's considered saturated. Now, carbon can make four bonds. Let's just reiterate. So carbon in a fatty acid chain is going to be bonded to two carbons, right? One carbon on either side and two hydrogens. So if the carbons, if all carbons have four bonds, that's saturated. If not all carbons have four bonds, that's an unsaturated fatty acid. Now that changes how the fatty acid actually appears, right, at room temperature. Saturated fatty acids are gonna be solid. Unsaturated fatty acids are gonna be more liquid. So think olive oil versus, you know, steak fat. Now, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Coach. I was like, I saw your mouth open. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, anyway. So, <laughs> basically, what we can see is that we have different um, responses in the body to saturated fatty acids, unsaturated fatty acids. What we know is that too much saturated fatty acids, which is not exclusively animal fat, but almost exclusively animal fat pretty much you're gonna your sources of saturated fatty acids are probably coming from animals for the most part maybe maybe some coconut um if we're being honest here right don't want to don't want to leave the american heart association out on this one it's 83 percent saturated fat coconut oil anyway now let's clear up the uh the differences in health versus saturated versus unsaturated that's where i was gonna go (laughs) see it's like we're connected and then (laughs) we are online um but let's dispel a myth too well what myth would what would we know about saturated fat is saturated fat bad for you coach no no it's just like any other fucking nutrient don't eat too much of it you'll be okay yeah (laughs) so that and how does saturated fat become poor you actually require saturated fat for uh various aspects of your health especially when it comes to hormone and sterile production. Mm-hmm. So we need it for cholesterol, right? Now, the problem is that if, if I consume too much fatty acid, that's going to potentially increase something we call LDL, right? Low-density lipoprotein. Otherwise known as bad cholesterol. 
which I fucking hate that name. If I if I'm being honest, I really hate that we call it bad cholesterol because it's not. It carries cholesterol. It's and well, yeah. So just so we can define what cholesterol actually is, because when you actually ask people what cholesterol is, it says, "Oh, this is what cholesterol arteries." Uh, no, <laughs> not really. <laughs> not really. Um, um, it. We we could talk about what actually clogs your arteries. It's a much more difficult process than that. Uh, but cholesterol simply are transporters in the blood. They just transport things. Like a red blood cell is going to transport oxygen, CO2. Um, lipoproteins or, or HDL, LDL, and there's also one called VLDL. And VLDL. then we can't forget about our random one-off. The and, our Kyler, Kyler, and our Kyler microns, yeah. Yeah, Kyler micron, like, okay. Kyler Ren um, <laughs> is carrying. <laughs> they're transporters of fat, right? So, so let, let me explain this process to you. All right, so a chylomicron is basically going to take that, uh, that fatty acid that we, uh, that we digest and absorbed in our small intestine, and it's going to take it through something called a lymphatic system, and it's going to bring it out, and it's going to dump it into the blood. Right? It's a carrier, right? Or it's going to bring it into the blood. Sorry, it's not going to just dump it like a dump truck. <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> anyway, uh, so it's going to carry it to, we're going to get to the liver. The liver is going to repackage it into something we call VLDL which very creative name here, guys, very low density lipoprotein. Um, <clears throat> and lipoprotein is basically fat in protein. That's what that means. So we have this VLDL that goes around and it's going to start delivering these fat nutrients. Now, what is this, what is this crap carrying? It's carrying fats, it's carrying cholesterol, and it's carrying fat soluble vitamins. All pretty important shit. Um, so it goes around delivers it. And through this process, as the VLDL travels through the body, you have little pieces that break off and eventually it becomes just low density lipoprotein. It's no longer very low. It's just low density lipoprotein because it's less dense because shit's breaking off essentially. Right. Then that goes around and eventually that's going to hopefully make it back to the liver. Now HDL. So VLDL and LDL are kind of like delivery guys. HDL is more like the garbage truck. It's going to go around, or street sweeper, it's going to go around and pick up all the different particles that have fallen off of that VLDL, LDL, and bring it back to the liver to be repackaged and then put back into VLDL and then it goes off and does whatever. This is exactly why it's better to have a higher amounts of HDL in your blood than VLDL or LDL and why it can counteract as a negative health risk factor based off of ACSM because so, it can, go ahead, coach. Oh, okay, no, go, go ahead, go ahead. No, all I was going to say is if when you have a higher amount of HDL, it will actually counteract having higher levels of LDL and VLDL. So think about it this way. VLDL and, uh, and LDL are cars on the freeway. Now, it's filled with, you know, people are driving the cars. People are disgusting human beings. Um, so what they're doing, they're throwing all this shit. They're throwing litter out into the, to the uh, freeway. Well, that freeway causes an accident, right? And that kind of clogs up the freeway right? Clogging the arteries here. And that's kind of bad, right? If we clog up the freeway, then we can't get things moving through on the freeway. Or if we clog up the arteries or we clog up the vessels, we don't have things moving through the vessels. Does that make sense? Hopefully. I'm asking you like you can answer me right now. Um, <laughs> so what we do to counteract that is that we got all these street sweepers or people picking up trash or whatever. Um, the HDL that comes around in picks up all the debris to decrease the likelihood that someone's going to have an accident on the freeway or 
really what's going on is that we're oxidizing these different particles of the VLDL and LDL. So when we oxidize these particles, that's what starts to cause plaque buildup in the arterial wall, and that decreases the diameter. That's what kind of plugs up the whole system. So, you know, in rush hour traffic, we're going to have a lot more potential for accidents, right? A lot more people throwing things on, on the freeway than at two o'clock in the morning. So if we have too much traffic, more accidents. If we have too much LDL, we have more potential to have oxidized particles and clogging up the arteries. So we don't want a very high LDL. We want a higher HDL. And for those of you who like to take notes <laughs> and are listening to our podcast, because this, this episode is very educational, one of the most important ACSM health risk factors that is actually a positive risk factor, which means you're more at risk for cardiovascular disease or other causes of mortality, there's a condition called dyslipidemia, which means that we have a, a, a dysfunction in the amount of lipoproteins in your blood. And if, in case you ever get your blood test and you're not familiar with what the good levels and bad levels are, you are at risk for dyslipidemia if your LDL cholesterol is greater than or equal to 130 milligrams per deciliter. Or if your HDL or good cholesterol is less than or equal to 40 milligrams per deciliter. Indeed. Now, in order for your HDL to counteract having high LDL levels in your blood and to count as a negative health risk factor, which means good for your overall health, you need greater than or equal to 60 milligrams per deciliter of HDL. Coach, how do we raise our HDL levels? Oh, man. Um, well, first thing that comes to mind is exercise. Yeah, exercise. Um, Proper diet. Proper diet. And then what is, a, what is another uh, intervention we can use to lower LDL in the blood? It's what, using one of our favorite forms of carbohydrate. I'm not tracking, actually. <laughs> Soluble fiber, you all. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> this, is, this, 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 is why, this is why when you look at an oatmeal package, you'll Quaker Oats. It says heart healthy. Well, what, what the hell is it heart healthy for? It's actually the soluble, uh, the soluble fiber, which binds to bile acids in the blood. And when it binds to bile acids in the blood, it will carry them out, filter them out, and excrete. So what the liver will do is that when it senses that there are lower bile acids in the blood, it will actually grab on to your LDL cholesterol, pull it back in, repackage it to create more bile acids. As a result, lowers your LDL levels in the blood. This is how consuming certain uh, forms of carbohydrates that are high in soluble fiber are beneficial for your heart health and how it lowers your LDL cholesterol. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> so that, that, was, that was awesome, Coach. Let, let's dive into uh, our next uh, main topic when it comes to fats, going over omega-9, mm -hmm. uh, sixes, and threes in the diet. And what's all the hype on consuming omega-3s? So omega-3, so I'll, I'll tie in omega-6 with this because they're, they're easily, closely related, right? So omega-3s and sixes are, are essential for just health in general, right? Now the problem right now is that in our diet, in traditional Western diet, we consume way too many omega-6s. Not that omega-6s are not important because they help with cognition, brain development, so on and so forth, but too much of it can be, or I'm sorry, can cause greater inflammation. Now, big driver behind chronic disease is inflammation. So we don't want that. Now, omega-3s 
considered anti-inflammatory. So what we do is we try to look for a ratio between those two. Um, and, and it really kind of depends on, again, the source that you're looking at. Um, but the ideal is about five grams of omega-6 or five parts of omega-6 to one two, gram to one, yep, five of omega-3. Now, there's people who follow the one-to-one ratio. Okay, that's fine. That, that's, you're, you're cruising on some omega-3s. Yeah, that's hard to do, and it's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, here's the real problem. You're like, okay, cool, whatever, five-to-one, no big deal. Most people, or at least the statistic for traditional Western diets are anywhere from 15 to 25 to one. So 15 grams of omega-6 to one gram of omega-3. And that's why, you know, I don't say that's why. That is a contributing factor to the increase in inflammation and can potentially lead to other inflammatory or can exacerbate other conditions that, um, that are related to inflammation. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, let's talk about the sources of omega-3s. And this is where a lot of you need to pay attention because there's, there's some things you need to know about these fish oils. So fish. When, it, when it comes to getting omega-3s in the diet, this should be a priority as far mm -hmm. as the, uh, foods that you consume on the regular. Now, you all know that one of the biggest sources that is very popular as well is fatty fish. Consuming salmon is one Delicious. of the you do to get omega-3s. Now, good sources of salmon are hard to come by. You have to make sure that you're buying more of the wild caught versions that are more likely to have omega-3s. Because if you're consuming foods, especially you can even get good omega-3s from eggs now, and even other sources of animal products, but you have to make sure that they're grass-fed or they're pasture-raised. Because the more farm-raised they are, or more pumped with and artificial antibiotics and so on and so forth, they actually have a much considerably lower level of omega-3s. Now, it is very expensive to purchase pasture-raised animal products. One, I think one, uh, one dozen eggs that are pasture-raised that have a ton of omega-3s is $5. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the highest content that I've seen, at least, and I haven't looked for a while, but it's like about 660 milligrams of omega-3 I don't know if that's per egg or per two eggs or something like that, but that, that's a that's a pretty high dose for for eggs. Um, hmm. So, do we recommend you purchasing them? Of course, if you can afford them. Um, health should always be prioritized. Absolutely, uh, but also be realistic as well. You can choose other healthier sources that aren't going to break your bank. Uh, and, and one of the best ways to do so is using either buying just salmon and having salmon a few times per week, uh, or even Consuming flaxseed is one of the best ways to do this as Black well. Flaxseed and chia seed. I love um, those. But just be sure that if you're going to consume it from those seed sources, you have to grind them up. Because if you, once again, it has an insoluble surface that the body is not able to break down. We do not have those enzymes and they will simply pass through and you will not get the nutrition from consuming the chia seeds or flaxseeds. But think you feel better about yourself. I think chia seeds, you can just straight up eat them, but you have to make sure that they are, are I guess, chilling out in whatever like yogurt or liquid that you're going to drink with them before you consume yeah. them. Yeah. If they're dry, not so much, but if, if you've saturated them in some sort of liquid or some sort, yeah, some sort of liquid-ish yeah. type. Uh, yeah. But just to be safe, grind that shit up. Uh, it, you, use a food honestly, processor, buy it ground already. You can, yeah, you can buy it ground already. Now, I don't know how that influences oxidation of other nutrients in there. Um, it could if you buy them ground, but you know, 
potato, potato, you're going to be balancing something out there. And then the last one I wanted to talk about was our fish oil supplements. And this is something that's very popular, but you also all need to be aware. Although fish oil supplements are awesome, if they're cheap and you're getting them from places like Walmart or Costco, they might not be all they're cracked up to be. Because unfortunately, a lot of these easily made omega-3 sources, especially that are put into these fish oil capsules, a lot of them tend to be rancid. You have to be very careful to purchase the ones that are cold pressed because those are the ones where they're going to be much more viable. Whereas the ones that are really cheap that you can get right off the shelf might be rancid and might not have as high of omega-3 content as they're claiming to be. The one way you can find out is by putting your fish oils in the freezer. A good viable fish oil pill should be clear. If you put it in the freezer and it's cloudy, it's rancid and it's no longer has the viability as it should. And to be completely honest, and we talk about this and when we talk about supplements, we talk about proteins, the more expensive the product is, more than likely that's the real deal, unfortunately. So once again, potato, True. potato. Be very careful True. with your sources. Try to get them um, from animal products if you can. You know, this is kind of a, this is a one-off here, but you're, you're talking about like more expensive things in, in, or as far as supplements go. Um, a lot of times I see people buying probiotics, not related to this, this topic here, but buying probiotics off the shelf. The problem with that is that those cultures are actually dead. Uh, if you buy them off the shelf. So you're really just consuming dead bacteria. The the benefit, it really is not there when compared to buying something that's actually refrigerated and has been refrigerated through the entire process. Yeah. Um, and that, that, that means from shipping, from the warehouse, and those are a little bit harder to find. Um, you know what we should do, right? When we eventually start this blog <laughs> that we've talked about is actually provide good sources of supplements. Uh, of where to get viable health supplements. Yep, I completely Or at agree. least products, should I say, not necessarily stores. When it comes to micronutrients, anything that's Kirkland or Nature Made is usually okay. You got to look for the USP label on the side of the product uh, is usually a, I don't want to say gold standard, but it's it's better than nothing. Um, let's sure. move on to the next part sure. where we're, we're coming down to, to close to uh, capping this up soon. Let's talk about trans fats, Kyle. Ooh, trans fats. Okay. Remember way back when, about however many minutes ago, when I talked about all these like carbon chains and bullshit? Uh-huh. All right. And then we have saturated <laughs> and unsaturated? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So with the trans fatty acids, basically what we have here is that we have an unsaturated fatty acid. Now, unsaturated fatty acids are kind of bent in, in, uh, in appearance. Let's just put it that way, which makes them a liquid. Now, cool thing about trans fats, huh, kind of cool thing, um, is that... They are unsaturated, technically, but because of the orientation of the hydrogens, and this kind of dives a little bit more into the, the chemical, like, um, you know, forces or, or the, what am I trying to say? You know, we're not going to dive into that just yet. Um, probably at all. <laughs> um, but because of the orientation of where the hydrogens are placed on the carbons around um, that unsaturated area, it makes it straight. So trans fatty acids are really, really just talking about the orientation of the hydrogens on the molecule. Okay, cool, Kyle. Who gives a fuck? Um, here's, why we, <laughs> here's why we potentially care. So what we've seen with trans fats is that uh, you know, they, they are technically a – could potentially increase the risk of – Heart disease, increase in, yeah, 
inflammation. They also even affect insulin sensitivity. Now, that's not necessarily a good thing, right? If we're decreasing insulin sensitivity, if we're potentially increasing the inflammation, which is a driver behind chronic disease, um, long story short, what that means is that you're a greater risk for disease or exacerbating a current condition that you already have. So trans fatty acids are, they're not necessarily considered safe to consume. Nope. With one exception, conjugated linoleic acid. <laughs> CLA. CLA. You see that in a supplement store a lot. Now, I'm not saying that those are going to have a health benefit, but no. what we've seen is that, and you know, we can argue all day here with, with supplement providers on this. Um, the, the literature is not really there. Um, th there's some supporting it, but the quality of that research is, you know, up to debate. The point is that a CLA <laughs> might be okay to consume. It may not have a negative effect. It probably doesn't have really anything to, to help you, um, but you'll be okay with that. Now, here's the cool thing about, not the cool thing, the shitty thing. Way back, what was it, 70s? 70s when we started to fear fat, right? And we're like, shit. We can't consume fat. We kind of start taking fat out of our food or out of our diet. Then we started pumping more sugar into there. Okay, cool. We can do that. But what we found is that fat is going to provide a lot more flavor. And the problem, though, we were trying to avoid saturated fat because, sorry, when we, the war on fat, if you will, back in the 70s, was like, oh, don't eat saturated fat. It's going to kill you. Well, not really. If you consume only saturated fat, sure. But we started taking saturated fat out of, out of foods, out of, out of products and whatnot, and we started either replacing it with sugar or changing the product that way, or we put something called a trans fat in there or a hydrogenated oil, partially hydrogenated oil, should I say, is what we typically see it on the food label. Well, that increases the shelf life, which is fantastic for the company, right? Because I can have that Oreo cookie, and I don't think Oreos have it, trans fats anymore, but I could take that Oreo cookie and have it can sit on the shelf for like 10 years probably. And be fine. I don't know if it's that long, but it can sit on the shelf for a while and it won't be, you know, it won't go bad, which is awesome, right? That's, that's a good freaking shelf life. That means I can, I don't have to worry about moving it as much as a company. I'm not going to have to throw it out because it expired. Good to go. Well, that comes with all the health issues that come with trans fats, which is a partially hydrogenated oil. Whew. Sorry. <laughs> Big deep breath. <laughs> so in other words, what we're trying to do is that we're trying to avoid the trans fats. Why? Because they can increase inflammation. They can increase LDL. They can uh, decrease insulin sensitivity. Basically, they can cause potential health issues. Now, the trans fats were a good thing for the companies to have on products uh, to, to increase shelf life, but health-wise, not a good thing for human beings if you feel like living, which most of us do. Um, so how do we find it? How do, we, how do we know if a, a product has trans fatty acids? So usually when we take a look at the overall label, you all make sure the first thing you go to is directly the ingredients list. Uh, although most ingredients lists will say that trans fats is zero, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's zero trans fats in there. There's actually a law that will allow companies to state how, uh, that there's zero grams of trans fats if it's below, is it 0 0.015 grams of serving, Kyle? I believe it's around there. Yeah, it, yeah, half a gram per serving. Yeah, so they can still have trans fats in the product and list it as zero. The way that you find out whether or not it truly is 
a trans fats product or not is if you find hydrogenation somewhere in the ingredients list, whether it's partially or fully hydrogenated oil. And if you do find it, that means that it does contain, it does contain trans fats. If it doesn't, then it might actually have zero trans fats in the product. Exactly. Now, I don't know. Anytime I see, a, this is just my own mind, but anytime I see a product that says zero trans fats, I'm like, probably nah, has trans fat. You're, you're, <laughs> you fucking lying motherfucker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't trust you. Uh, but, but anyway, that, that's how you can kind of find them. So in other words, avoid trans fats, right? Is that what we're saying? To the best of your ability. So this means avoid things like fake butters, try to keep consumption of things like Crisco at an all-time low, mm -hmm. various uh, vegetable oils when you're cooking. And this is a perfect segue into, okay, coach, well, what oils do we use when we cook? Um, and usually you want to find the ones that are higher in mono and polyunsaturated fats. My favorite to cook with to this day is still extra virgin olive oil. It's one of the best ones to use. The one issue with olive oil is the smoking point is a little lower than mm -hmm. some of the other ones, which means it's just gonna burn off a hell of a lot faster when you're cooking. So other good sources to use are canola oil and palm oil have also been found to be good, uh, good oils. Indeed. Avocado oil is also a good one to use, but it's very expensive. Yeah. So, so be aware of what oils you're choosing and which ones aren't gonna break your bank. So olive oil, when you keep it low heat, which is what you should do anyway, when you're cooking properly, uh, and to ensure you, you that just don't want to apply more heat and just burn the fuck out of it. Yeah, because and whether or not you believe this or not, but the, the more you burn the hell out of your foods, you know, and get that char, the, the higher amount of carcinogenic substances develop on your foods. Well, but well, let's, it, good Lord, let's not get into that. Well, I mean, like, I don't think it fucking matters what you believe. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of the way this shit is. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, extra virgin olive oil is usually the best way for you guys to go in this purpose to, to, to use healthy oils to cook and prepare your food. So now let's, let's go with the finale here. All right. And let's talk about, okay, how much fat should I have in my diet and how should I structure my intake if my goals are for fat loss? So when it comes to consuming fats, Kyle, there are a ton of healthy sources we can consume. Oh, good Lord. Yes. And, and we know that you should be aiming to get anywhere from about 20 to 30% of your total daily calories should be coming from fat. Yes. Minimum 20% for health. Um, as far as for performance, you wouldn't really see anything above 25%. Sorry. Well, I mean, unless you're keto and you're one of the ones that respond well, blah, 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 blah. but anyway, 25% is typically, you know, the max that you really need. Now, I mean, that doesn't mean you can't go above that if you're still able to perform and you're still happy you know, and you're getting the right amount of calories, perfect, right? Um, <clears throat> so no less than 20%, we want to prioritize unsaturated fatty acids. Uh, so omega-3s, 6s, and 9s. Uh, we want to limit our saturated fats. Now, it depends. If you're going to American Heart Association, they say 7%. Um, and I think the ADA recommends 10%. So roughly 10% or less of your total caloric intake coming from saturated fats, uh, you'll be good. But that doesn't mean cut them out because you still need them for sterile production overall, just fat, um, all, well, I guess all the rolls off fat if we would. And if you're consuming animal products, this won't be a problem for you. Uh, no, not at all. Uh, even if you're eating lean meats, you know, you're still getting fats in there. Lean meats are not really ever 100% fat free. So we don't, that's not really a thing. Especially if you're consuming um, eggs, which are also really good for you. Yes, yes. 
Now, when the goal is for fat loss, once again, there is no magic diet, there is no magic bullet, no magic pill, no magic anything. If your goal is to lose weight, we are not saying that any one diet is better than the other. At the end of the day, calories in versus calories out. You need to expend more calories than you're ingesting to lose weight. So what we recommend as far as fat intake, now in my own personal experience, going low fat for me tends to work better because simply fat is higher in calories. And, and you're fat. Easy, and it's... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I threw it in. And, and, it's, and it's easy for me yes, to, to control. No, I weigh 206 pounds. I'm not fat. Fat. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Shut up, coach. <laughs> it's easier to manage my calories when I'm controlling my fat. So, Absolutely. So I, I take fat all the way straight down to 20% of my total daily calories. Now, I have to track. Ooh, track. All right. If, you're, if your goal is fat loss, y'all, you have no choice. If you want to really be serious, Put in the extra effort and calculate everything out. Get good with using my fitness pal to track things. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying low fat is the way for everyone to go, but that's what tends to work for me and is what worked for clients of mine in the past. It, it, and you know, and I love that you said low fat and you made sure you said 20%. 20% is low fat. A lot of times people say low fat, like, oh, avoid fat. No, hell no. You, got, you have to consume you fat. You have to consume fat. Um, it is one of the essential nutrients. And we talked about this on the carbohydrate episode, right? Just briefly, like you could technically survive without carbohydrates. You're not going to be happy and yada, yada, yada. But you, you cannot, absolutely cannot survive without fats. Nope. So- so 20%, I mean, 20 to 30% of your total diet, it's, it's a good, good role. I mean, like when we talk about a, a good, good goal, not roll, <laughs> unless you're eating a roll with a lot of butter on it. Um, <laughs> if we're talking about macronutrients, right? A lot of people like macro counting and calorie counting because one, it works. Two, it's not as labor intensive as, holy crap, I'm, I'm worrying about every single thing that I'm eating every single day. And I've done those diets and they suck. Um, you know, that's, that's a typical, like more bodybuilding diet, uh, especially like if you're within about four weeks of peaking, um, that, that becomes hell. But for people losing weight, just want to look good with a shirt off, just track your macros, right? Uh, you know, 20% <laughs> coming from fat and you know, while we're at it, let's reiterate, you know, what, at least what I would say, and I think you agree for prioritizing during a caloric or excuse me, a caloric deficit, prioritize protein. Make sure you get 20% coming from your fat. Fill the rest in with carbs. Now, yep. protein, you know, we can do percentages or we can do the uh, all the way up to, you know, 2.2, or sorry, 2 grams per, per kilogram, um, 1 gram per pound. There's, there's a lot of different recommendations out there. And it kind of varies on how old you are. Uh, there's even recommendations much higher than that, um, not as well supported with research but there is research supporting it. Point is, prioritize protein, get your fats, fill the rest of them with carbs, you'll be happy. You're going to caloric deficit, work out, sleep, drink water, drink coffee because it's delicious. You'll be good. Well said, Coach. So that about wraps it up, you all. All right. So at the end of the day, all macronutrients are healthy for the human body. You need Indeed. to consume them all in moderation and in a controlled way that's going to give you the best optimized health that you possibly can have. All right. We threw a lot of science here at this one, but hopefully this is a lot of information that should put fats into perspective for you. So you can have a better relationship with them and incorporate into your diet the healthy way. Indeed. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we got some more coming at you after this one.
So stay safe, stay healthy out there. We know times are still crazy, but we're all going to get through this together. Thanks for listening. Thank you.